0: faith fit radio and the diocese of orlando presents school of humanity with jason and rachel Bowman, a program that is seeking to lead young adults to christ and to enkindle a deeper faith that is fully alive now here are
1: your hosts hello and welcome to the school of humanity podcast this is rachel Bowman with jason Bowman. this is
2: the typical hello
1: Oh, yes, that's all you get to say. I'm just kidding. (laughs) And this is episode 28. Holy moly. This is
2: just... It's hard to believe we've done 28.
1: It's really strange. Um, And people like them. Yeah. It's amazing.
2: I am amazed.
1: Um, And just a reminder to everyone that we have an email. If you'd like to shoot an email over to us. And... um, It's schoolofhumanityfl at Um, gmail.com, schoolofhumanityfl at gmail.com. And what should
2: they email us?
1: I don't know. Thoughts, prayers, concerns. Topics? Topics. I mean, that's what I figured that that was lumped right in there with thoughts, but. Yeah, yeah. uh, We also have Thomas LaPointe. Hello. He's Roll an tide. Alabama fan. Oh,
3: yeah. You got it right that
1: time. <laughs> I thought he was Gator
2: Extraordinaire.
1: He is a Gator Extraordinaire um, in Utopia. That's what, in, in my beatitude, <laughs> 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 Thomas is a Gator fan.
2: <laughs> He's very good at Tim Tebow trivia.
1: He is fantastic at that. Number
2: 15. Yeah. He likes Filipinos,
1: Tim Tubo. You know, he he, yeah, was he
3: did. Did he grow up in the Philippines?
1: He did. He did.
3: Now I, you see. So, no, I do know. I do know because his mom was pressured to abort him and she did not, that which is, is true. the big storyline. Yes. So I, I recall that that much. Yeah. I really recall more than anything else beating him in two thousand
1: nine. <laughs> you
2: are just <laughs> that was yeah. so mean. I, I was remember so that we were there, by the way. Were you? I, I yeah. wept I'm sorry. with
1: Tim Tebow that night. Yeah, I'm sorry well, too. I did weep at that. Scene. I'm sorry I was there. <laughs> I, I was had to sorry deal with all, all the I was repercussions
2: there. of the fans afterwards. Oh, my
1: Gosh, I've never endured Atlanta like I did that night. But they were mostly nice. I mean, most of the Alabama fans were nice. There was one guy in the bleachers that was not nice. Yes. And I had to tell Jason we need to leave or I'm going to push him out of the bleachers. We have to go. I'm very sensitive. It's because he was making fun <laughs> of Tebow when he was crying. He was. He was yeah. like, oh, wow, wow.
3: You we know why? Because he wasn't sensitive.
1: That's right. That's right. He
3: didn't have the feminine genius.
1: Unbelievable, that guy. <laughs> also here, who does not lack of the feminine genius, is Joanna Cower.
0: Hello, and thank you. That's very nice. But I do lack sports knowledge, which is why I was silent for all of that.
1: <laughs> <so>. <laughs> That's yeah, okay. I was here, but I'm, I don't know what else, else to say. That's okay. Usually, Jason, Jason doesn't. I, mean, I know, I know
2: Gator stuff, but
1: yes, that's true. Um, we wouldn't be able it. to be married if you were like an Alabama fan or something like that. I mean, we could, yeah.
3: <laughs> or like Seminoles maybe. Ooh, Seminoles,
1: <laughs> that's painful.
2: Is is what football team you like? Is that is that ontological?
3: I that would, I would definitely say beat? it is. Yeah. <laughs> I would say that in it's the your Alabamian the the inner core of my being, um, just in my in my soul body and soul is is right. Alabama fandom, right? Yeah.
2: So in in beatitude, you know, in heaven, mm-hmm. that'll be. Is there an ontological change when you become an Alabama fan?
3: Uh, I would say that it's something that it's it's it, because it's imprinted in the very fiber of my being <laughs> that it's. Uh, you know, I don't think you receive like any ontological changes unless you become ordained the coach <laughs> of the Alabama Crimson Tide. <laughs> I think when Nick Saban goes to heaven, he's still going to be the head coach of Alabama football <laughs> with Bear Bryant. Oh, God. oh,
1: gosh. That was, that was, I, you know, I don't really like saying that name, but, um, <laughs> That was well done. That's that was well done. Well
3: yeah. done, Thomas. They teach us well there at the <laughs> University of Alabama. <laughs> this
2: is the normal catechesis, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh gosh, um, the Alabama Catechism, and it's it's what what color is that? Red? What color are you guys? Ever um, in? crimson, maroon, maroon. Crimson maybe. Maroon.
3: Oh <laughs> my goodness. Okay, A Fuchsia. <laughs> wow even worse buddy
1: <laughs> high five love well done um so anyway stop distracting we are this
3: is why we only get through one topic <laughs> per <laughs> podcast yes. true
1: that's gotta be it um but tonight we are gonna dive into part three about the feminine genius and part three is on generosity Hopefully, and maternity as well, and but maternity we'll as Hopefully well. Hopefully, and so masculinity as well. So, according according to my little time, my little time here, we have what uh, probably twenty five minutes. So we could we could probably break them down in like eight minutes each. Okay, that was not a good math, by the way. I think it would be like twelve minutes each. Sorry. <laughs> Last
2: time we talked about sensitivity, and we we talked about the the ever alertness of women um, to the inner life of those around her and so this time generosity kind of goes or coincides with that as um, an availability you know to the needs of the people around her right 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 so she's got this like awareness um, alertness to the inner life of others and then this natural availability Right uh, to their needs as as part of the feminine genius, and we talked about
1: that um, in relation to the Blessed Mother, especially at the wedding at Cana. Right, um, well, she was sensitive to the need of the people then, and they needed wine.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. really important.
1: It's very important. So, and I th- and we were talking about the fact that we, she probably anticipated that before they were even aware that the wine mm-hmm. was running low. Right, um, and then also in that same sensitivity. And knowing her son well, um, went ahead and told everyone to do whatever he tells you. Yeah. Without him, you know, saying, go tell everybody to do whatever I tell them to do kind of thing. So yeah,
2: there was kind of a feminine genius that's wrapped up in the fact that she asked her son. Right. As, as opposed to just taking charge herself. You exactly. know what I mean? She, not that she could turn water into wine. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Heresy, we're not, yeah. her- we're not um. getting the heresy, okay?
1: <laughs> but that it had to, he had to initiate it. Right. Even though she recognized the need, so. Right. So generosity.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: How do you say that in Spanish?
0: Generosidad.
1: Thank you. I was going to attempt that. It wasn't going to come out nearly as beautiful as that did. <laughs> so um, what were you going to say about generosity? You have some stuff over there.
2: Um, I was hoping that you would take it from there. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, Just, you know, being available to the needs of the other, those. Well, I think you, so. I think
1: that, that it definitely falls into that because the the generosity. Uh, it, it made me think of earlier when I was thinking about these four points. Was that, um, you kind of have this? I al- have always had this thought, and it's it's probably misses the point in some aspects but for this particular inspect, an instance it definitely applies but that a man can build a house but a woman makes it a home mm. um, yeah. and so I think that um, generosity in this way is, is the ability of the blessed mother to continuously give of herself in a way that requires nothing in return and that's what I would e- expect generosity to mean. Right. And that she is definitely the, the, the epitome of this, when you say Joanna. Mm-hmm.
2: You know what comes to mind is abandonment when I hear availability. You know, if you make yeah. yourself available, you're not pushing your own agenda. You're sort of abandoned to whatever the Lord has and to whatever is the context of the reality that's in the present moment which is always where holiness is found, right? So, I mean, if you're if you're available, that means you're living in the present. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. And so you, you're also sort of surrendered to the Lord and you're listening for whatever He puts in front of you. So, you know, when the needs of others come up, you're, you know, in your sensitivity, you're already listening and alert to it. And then... Um, you know, once you've discerned what that is, you're, you're already available. Your disposition is mm-hmm. to be available. And so you're generous in your response. Um, I think this is true. I mean, in my own reality as, as a, a physician assistant, when I'm doing rounds, I'm always very humbled by nurses. Um, uh, and I really mean that. Um, and I think it's, and it's true, like you were saying last time, Joanna, they're mostly females, and I don't think that that's an accident. I think there's a particular part of the feminine genius that lends itself to nursing, because you are sensitive to the needs of the patient. Um, right. You're very generous in your mm-hmm. response to them. And you're, and you're also um, receptive to the orders that are given yeah. to you by the doctor, you know, and yeah. um, you're humble in that receptivity. You're available to whatever those orders are. You carry them out. You're also available um, available to the patient and whatever needs they have. So you're like this beacon of receptivity and availability and sensitivity. And so you are just life giving in, in all those different ways, um, carrying out the actual human interaction of of those those orders you know um, that are given to you by the doctor. Um, there's something particularly human and beautiful about that, you know. And um, I know that if I was a patient, I would probably prefer female. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But, you know, there's something motherly. There's something caring about
1: uh, that. Would you say um, that, and I think you've probably already addressed this, but that um, generosity is definitely tied into our receptivity?
0: I think so. I was going to say that I, I think that it all kind of flows from the being of a woman. So her receptivity allows her to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to the people around her. And that knowledge of her sensitivity of knowing allows her to then become generous. Right. Um, so it's it's a flowing of, I guess, like the Holy Spirit in you and how that functions, I guess, in a woman.
1: Right. I agree. And I think that, um, your ability, you know, the things that I lack in my feminine genius and, uh, and the things that I would say that you guys would lack in your masculine genius are made up by obviously the grace of God. Mm -hmm. Um, and so our ability to be generous and to be all of these things wholly relies upon him, um, and I think that you see generosity most applicable when you can look at a situation and go, I'm, I'm not sure how I was able to do that. Yeah. Um, out, especially outside of not only financial means, but just a pure ability. You know, um, I think I see that a lot in our lives right now and just with a nine-week-old and with, with the things that we do. Um, like yesterday, it was so funny. We had a 4th of July get-together. Thomas and Joanna were there.
0: Yes, we were. Um, it was fun.
1: Yes, we are recording this that far in advance, everybody. Um, but that um, right before the party started, and we're you know you know if you have a party, everybody you're getting all the last thing minute things together, and we had a visitor that we hadn't seen in a really really long time, and I remember I was walking away and I was thinking, oh gosh, this is just horrible timing to have a visitor right now because I want to be able to be completely present, but I also need to prepare you know and it almost immediately i could hear the holy spirit say you can like you have the ability to do to prepare and to be present because you have me you know like you and and your generosity your ability to be generous does not um rely upon Mm -hmm. your abilities yeah if that makes sense
0: And God is so great that he like multiplies everything. So we give a little bit of our generosity and he's like, well, now you will have generosity for this and for that and for this. And before you know it, it's like a miracle, like what God can work in your heart.
1: And I think too, um, the generosity doesn't just generosity, I think, especially for, for all of us, you know, in our vocation to holiness Really resides mostly in our gift of self for the other. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and that's probably the greatest act of generosity that we can give to one another.
2: Well, I mean, look at women and as mothers, you know, I mean, you literally give your body, <laughs> right? You know, um, as a as a vessel for for another life. You know, I mean, is there a way to give yourself more fully, um, or you know? even in the marital act, it's a surrender, you know, it's a, a receiving, right. it's a giving of your body completely uh, in, in that way. So, which is kind of our, the way that we, um, our, our posture towards the Lord in general is just a, a re- receiving, a, a vulnerability, a surrender, you know, all those different words that we use to try to express that. Um, I would say,
1: too, that maybe... But it's
2: very generous for you to do that, to give yourself, right. which is all of what you have, for another. So, right. your very posture as a woman is generous, you know?
1: Well, there is say. a um, there's a, a quote from Redemptoris Mater that talks about the fact that, that he calls this the greatest act of kenosis. Do you remember what it is?
2: Um... No,
1: and he calls it the greatest act of kenosis as the mother, the blessed mother at the foot of the cross.
2: Right. Yeah. Okay. I could
1: see that. Yeah. And that um, it was in the self-emptying of her son there, and the receiving, and then also her self-emptying as becoming the church. Um, And isn't that beautiful? That that is the greatest act of kenosis. Oh yeah. Um, JP two is just so poetic. I
2: mean, and uh, who was it? Simeon. You know, he said, "Your heart too will be pierced." Yeah. Wasn't it? Was it It Simeon? Simeon? Yeah. At
3: the presentation. Yeah. In the temple. Yeah. Uh
1: But the, um, I just know that there are this in, there are people. Jason is one of those people. I've actually, I think, I've talked about this on the podcast before. But that you meet those people that are so generous with self that you feel like you're the only person that they're, that, that they've ever <coughs> spoken to or that they've ever, uh, um, and you have those moments where you're so, you can be so generous with yourself that you, when they're speaking to you or you're, you know, how are you doing is not mm-hmm. like a small talk. Um, right. and I think that that's a big part of the generosity that, that lies within the feminine genius, um, of being able to be with people and being able to hopefully draw that out, um, if that but makes sense. But in order
2: for that to be actualized in a woman or in any person, you know, you have to realize um, you have to love, you have to let yourself be loved, and to love yourself, right, in that proper yeah. way, right? I mean, because I feel like that's the biggest. Oh hindrance, gosh, it totally
1: know? it totally inhibits uh, your ability to love other people if you. Because right. it, it, you say, like, I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. Right. And you can't love your neighbor if you don't love yourself. Right. Yeah. And and or allow yourself to be loved.
2: Right. And the world tells women these particular conditions which make them lovable yeah. or not. right? Which are utterly false. Mm-hmm. You right. Know? And so your worth is in how, you know, beautiful you are. And they equate beauty with...
0: Um, like your weight and your height right. and, and what color hair do you have. And, and, and even, what kind of clothes you And even more
2: perverted than that is like, you know, how revealing yeah. you know, clothes and stuff you wear and uh, that as well. So I mean, even I, f- I feel like a lot of high school girls feel pressure to yeah. dress promiscuous in order and to I get attention and be found beautiful.
0: I think it's worse now, and I will say just because of like, as a 12th grade teacher, I see that all of these girls and these boys, like, they're so obsessed with social media. Like, they constantly have this, these barrage of images of this is what the epitome of, and quote, sexy looks like, but that's not the truth. Like, that's all ephemeral. We know that that goes away, but these kids don't.
1: Right. Right.
2: That's a sad reality yeah. to live in. We don't, I mean, it is.
1: Well, the um, so in the aspect of generosity, I think that, that like you were saying, the best way, um, one of the most tangible ways that a woman gives of herself is through maternity. Right. Um, right. But we need to also express, too, that maternity doesn't necessarily mean bearing children yeah. physically. Right.
0: Yeah.
2: Right.
1: Um, and that maternity, because I, th- I would like to think that I have more children than just four, <laughs> you know? Um, yes. Yes. And so, um,
2: one of the quotes here it says, "Women exercise an effective, aff, effective, yeah. you know, a cultural and spiritual motherhood, which has inestimable value for the development of individuals and the future of society." Every guy who had a good mom growing up has had an impression left Tom's on their Tom's mom, song.
3: so good. of
2: the goodness of of women just especially in their maternity don't you agree thomas i definitely
3: would yeah um
2: i don't know when i when you have a a mother who is true to her motherhood i Mm -hmm. mean you value women that's really i think the beginnings of where men yeah get their love for women uh, almost you know is seeing the beauty of the generosity of their mothers, the right. maternal genius of, of uh, the feminine genius, if you will. right.
1: Um, and there's it, it's very valuable, too, um, for our listeners, if you if you get the chance to read Moliere's Dignitatum. It's mm. awesome. But to also read that in conjunction with Redemptoris Mater, um, which speaks a lot about the uh, feminine genius, especially in respect to maternity. Um, right. And he even talks about the fact that, and I think Jason, I think we've talked about this before, but JP too even says in Redemptor's Mater that, um, oftentimes the husband has to learn of his fatherhood from his wife. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because uh, a number one, they also women know first, obviously that they're pregnant and then they tell the husband we're pregnant. Yeah. So that's the first time that they learn that they're a father. Right. It's from the mother. And then even more so than that, the woman experiences everything herself yeah. and then beckons him into that parenthood mm-hmm. by inviting him to say, you know, the baby's kicked for the first time, you know, come right. feel," And that's the first time that he's kind of invited into discovering his fatherhood as well. Yeah.
2: And fatherhood is in relation to, you know, right. so I mean,
1: they don't, they, they don't you happen learn, alone. Right. You
2: literally learn your fatherhood as it goes. Um, in relation to the things that are happening to your spouse, you know? And uh,
1: and I think, I mean, that is so true. That phrase right there, you learn your fatherhood in relation to the, how things are happening to your spouse, I think right. would also apply to the priesthood. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, there are things, I'm sure there are things that Thomas, hopefully in the next six years, God willing, that he'll discover about the priesthood and his fatherly heart that are, will be different than they are today.
2: hmm Yeah.
1: And I mean, just like with Jason, I mean, we, we were just talking about the fact that this will be our, our ninth year of marriage and how, um, I'm sure you've discovered different things about your heart as a father in nine years.
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um.
1: but maternity, especially in this way is very important for women to realize that we are life givers. Yes. Yeah, and that's the that's probably the biggest point about maternity is that it's not necessarily about a child per se. Yeah, but about bringing life. Yeah. to your things. Rec- your
2: receptivity gives life. Right. Uh, you know, uh, the the other thing that, and you said you know it's more about than just being a mother. And one of the quotes that I pulled was um, that women are endowed with a particular capacity. For accepting the human being in his concrete form yeah what do you think of that
0: yeah is was that in Mu signtata
2: yes yes because I remember reading that
0: yeah and thinking, wow um, I think because there's such um, an internal spirit to women and through the spirit life comes forth into the world whether it's Physically, like with a child or spiritually, um, there's such a deeper connection to creation, like in this way that it resonates with the way that God created nature. So women really do, they are co-creators with God, right? That's. That's just—I don't know how to downplay that at all. That's right, just, that's just the incredible. greatest of miracles. Right. Um, oh gosh. Okay, <laughs> <I> continue. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> and I always like thinking about history and how things have happened throughout time. But even from like the earliest times of like human society, you see sculptures of women where they're connected to nature. So they're connected to nature. They're connected to the moon or to the sun or to this. Hmm. And it's because of this like very natural rhythm that women have with nature.
2: Right. Hmm. So that's good. That's I know good.
0: it's crazy. And that's one of the in quote archetypes in um, like movies or TV shows <coughs> of like the woman who is in nature, like this, this feminine, receptivity to nature which actually like allows her to be a part of the creation with right. God huh. that's wow
1: yeah that's so good. good and I even remember I, it made me think of the fact that in um, in scripture in Genesis that after they have left the garden and Adam and Eve know each other in the biblical sense and she she bears Cain and Abel mm-hmm. that she says I have, I have born a child with the help of the Lord right yeah
2: um, yeah, that's good.
1: Mm-hmm. and doesn't I mean she doesn't attribute it otherwise. But th- that is so important to realize that mm-hmm. women, um, and it also makes me think of Wonder Woman.
0: Yes, how great was that movie? How
1: great was that movie If you haven't seen it, I mean, we've only been talking about it for the past however many <laughs> podcasts <laughs> I so you go might see it well. right now. <laughs> um, but that she brought life to a situation that was dead, dead. right you know, to people that had already pretty much given up. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also makes me think of Mary Magdalene in the garden after the resurrection. Yes. Um, and there was a really beautiful homily that I heard. Um, I think it was last Lent maybe, uh, but it was father Benjamin Leonard who's, um, in our diocese and a good friend of ours. But, he was. We were actually at a uh, retreat at Bishop Moore that I was helping with and um, with my good friend Amanda Livermore. And um, I just dropped a whole lot of names, sorry. Um, <laughs> and Thomas LaPointe, sorry. Um, <laughs> but no, he was giving this beautiful homily and the readings that day were actually on that particular instance mm-hmm. of Mary Magdalene in the garden. And he brought up the fact that um, it was a grave site, you know, and so you have Mary Magdalene who has given up. She comes and the body is gone. She sees the gardener there who is actually Jesus. And, um, and he said that it, it was such a beautiful thing to realize that not only was Jesus in that moment, did she think he was the gardener, but it also harkened back to the garden in, and, yeah. in, you know, in the creation story that... Um, Jesus had come back to also be the master gardener to write the chaos that had been happening in, in creation at that time. Um, and that how beautiful it was that Mary, of course, and it always makes you think of the fact that she, her sensitivity to his name, her saying his name. Yeah. Um, and her openness to hearing that is what opened her eyes and made her realize that the gardener was not the gardener when in fact, he actually is the master gardener. But, um,
2: Anyway,
1: That's really good. So what did you think about Wonder Woman and generosity and maternity? and?
0: It was just so in line with feminine genius. I really thought so. Um, in so many different ways. So I've seen it multiple times because I saw it with a whole bunch of different people. Um, and every single time I picked up on something new. So the first time I was just so amazed that there was representation in pop culture of a woman who was strong and beautiful and maternal and intelligent. And she didn't have to downplay any of that, you know, right. to like fit into this mold. And she wasn't afraid right. to be herself. Right. Um, and then the second time there was the scene where she meets Sammy and the other people at the bar. And mm-hmm. so they start talking in different languages. And he says, you are a work of art. And I just think wow, like that's, that's the truth. Like that's how men really should look at women yes. as like the epitome yes, of, of perfection and yeah. creation. Yeah. And, and um, then he says something like, oh, you're so beautiful, blah, blah, blah. And she says, oh, but your eyes are saying something different. Like this, in this instinct for the woman to know when a man is lusting after her. Right. Like I thought that was really good that they put that in because that's also part Ooh. of the feminine genius. Oh, that's good. Right. Oh, that was really good. <laughs> so um, no, I there was so much
1: I could talk about it. Ad nauseum. They they um you know, it also made me think of the fact that we had two boys, you know, we had Gabriel and Jeremiah and mm-hmm. then we had Gemma. And I remember talking to you about this and we were talking about the fact that when we had Gemma, you just can't I couldn't stop staring at her. And I remember the boys were cute. Sorry, guys, if you're listening to this when you're like 30 and you're mad at me. Um, but, um, I remember looking at them and being like, oh, they're cute. You know, and I could stare at them for hours, but there was just something about Gemma and Jason. and I both looked at each other and we were like, I wonder if it's just because, you know, females are the crown of, of creation. Right. And that, you know, we recognize that, that ontological, um, Beauty. part of their, their being, you know, right. Um, right.
0: If there wasn't something intrinsically beautiful about women, then all of the ads wouldn't use women's sexuality to sell stuff. True,
2: that
1: like is they would. It's right. true.
2: Even and even the perversion reflects the beautiful truth. Right. Yeah.
1: So, any final thoughts on femininity? Well, we did the, a good job.
2: The, I think that um, you were speaking about Wonder Woman and, and different ways that uh, feminine genius is portrayed, and one of the ways too. Like when, when he was quoted, the quote that I said before about how women are endowed with a particular capacity to um, accept human beings in a concrete form, meaning despite just like God does, despite you know our failures, our sins and stuff, our ugliness, if you will, you know, women, are still nurturing and accepting and, and uh, of, of us in our concrete form and and how we are and the way that they say this plays out even in society is that women have a particular role in not in, in inspiring the world to not turn our backs on the world, even though it's sinful, you know, like, uh, I remember talking to a friend um, who was just, you know, speaking theoretically, and he was like, maybe it's time for the, you know, the Catholic Church to just, um, you know, sort of like abandon the world and go, you know, like during a period right. of time where we had to go into hiding and, uh, you know, and that kind of thing. And I can just imagine the woman's role being like, no, you know, we're not going to turn our back on the world. Right. Um so I think that, um, and especially, I think it, we would be remiss to not talk about, and especially as the maternal part, is the women's dominant role in pro life agenda. Yes, it is going to be the woman who yeah. will save mm. our our uh, our world from the um, culture of death.
0: Yeah.
1: Yes, you know? there is. You know, actually, and speaking <clears throat> of that, if you have the chance um everyone should also read mother teresa's address to the un on the world day of peace when she talked about the fact that you know just right. give me the child like if you're if you're going to abandon the child if you're going to do these things just give me the child right. um it's so beautiful um if you want to email us we can always email that back to you but the um the other thing too uh, just as a final thought as well about femininity um, especially for our female listeners, is that uh, the Lord has just called you in such a particular way to be woman. Right. You know, and not every woman looks the same, and you are not called to be like Rachel or like Joanna. You are called to be like you. Um, there's a beautiful, I think it was uh, St. Teresa of Lisieux, but a quote that I'm going to butcher, but she ends up saying, you know, the daisies were not meant to be like the roses kind of thing. Let's all just be like the wildflowers um, and that they are all might be all going in every which way, but that they're still beautiful. Yeah. You it's know?
0: like, would the garden lose a sense of its loveliness if everyone was the same? Right. Yeah. And then uh, she says,
1: good. you know, let's, us all let's, let's just be like the wildflowers. <laughs> um, and it's so beautiful. And so the be who you were created to be. Yeah. You know, and then and in that feminine genius, there's there's just such a particular calling that only you can answer and the church needs you. The church lacks if you do not answer that call. Um, and on top of that, we all know those people that you see that are, are living the fullness of who they were created to be. And you can't quite put your finger on it. You know, you see them, and you're like, man, I just want to hang out with that person. Like I don't even care if we just sit there in silence. I just want to be with them and hang out with them. Um, and usually those people are the people that have discovered that part of their femininity, that part of their masculinity, and have also tapped into freedom. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so may we all be who we are created to be. And set the world on fire, right? St. Okay. Catherine of Siena. <laughs> <laughs> God bless.
0: Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presented School of Humanity with Jason and Rachel Bowman. Thank you for listening. Check out the podcast at faithfitradio.org and tune in next time. May you be blessed with peace and joy.